0: You wanted to call us Church of the Open Door yeah, after that I did, video, after I think. One, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff, I'm so glad to have you, man. That was 2008 when we were yeah. moving down to Office Park Road, and uh, man, I just want to thank you so much uh, for the influence you've had in my life um, as my mentor, guy who discipled me when I was young, but also in the life of this church. And so, man, thank you so much, Thanks. and um, everybody. Jeff Cranston from Low Country Community Church.
1: Good morning. Yeah, that was the Church of the Open Door video uh, some years ago, and uh, it's good to be back with you. As Todd said, we've known each other a long time, and uh, I ran across this this week, Youth Mission Trip Application Form 1990, Todd Cullen filled this out to go to Venezuela, and uh, we, we went, and uh, his parents both signed off on it saying that they were only... Too glad to have Todd out of the house for a couple of weeks, so I'll, I'll give this to you uh, today. And let you take a look at that. Uh, thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. It's been a while since I've been here, and um, I understand there's a group here from Georgia State. Is that right? Right here. Raise your hands. And you're here for a great. You're here for a mission trip, spring break type thing this this week. Great. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My wife, is an, uh, you're an alumnus. I think if you don't graduate, you're an alumnus. Is that right? Anybody know? Does anybody even care? <laughs> Honey, do you remember the year you went to Georgia State? Let's start there. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago. But uh, anyway, welcome. Glad that you all are here and thank you for your work among us. Um, in the time I have with you today, Todd's asking me to tell a story And to tell you the story of our churches. And uh, I I want to tell that story, but I want to tell you two other stories as well. If you have your Bible, uh, or if you, in 2014, you also, preachers, have to say, open your Bible to, or uh, open your Bible app to, uh, Acts chapter 1. And I want to just quickly with you, as one part of the story today, is sort of run through uh, a story in the book of Acts, and we're going to look at a, a couple of different chapters there. But um, I want to begin by telling you a story and have you just imagine along with me. Suppose uh, right after church is over here in a few minutes uh, that I said, hey, I've got, a, uh, I've got a motor home outside. It's a Winnebago." motorhome, one of these big ones. It's 10 wheels. It's the kind that the side pulls out and it's got a uh, you know, ne- uh, dish TV and a sound system that'll just blow the windows out of the thing. And why don't we just jump in it and take a drive up to Charleston today, uh, look around at Charleston, get something to eat, and then we'll come back tonight. And so you say, well, that's great. You know The island's going to be nuts at one o'clock whenever the uh, parade is. And uh, let's get out of here. So you jump on my motorhome and it's an incredible motorhome, and off we go, and you, you lie back. You know, you're not having to drive, so you're enjoying that. You're watching some TV. You've got a cold Coke in your hand, and you say, this is great. Really enjoying this. Thanks so much, and I'm just sitting up there driving away, having a good time. Halfway up Highway 21, we're, we're up on the other side of Buford, and we're, we're on that stretch of road. You, remember, you know that stretch of road that they've been constructing? for 12 years now. That's never finished ever. We're, we're there and we get a flat tire. And I say, okay, everybody out. We got to change the tire. Well, changing a tire on that's like changing a tire on a tractor trailer. And like, I don't know how to do this. Well, and I just said, well, we gotta, we've got to get it done. And so you get dirty and you get greasy and you get sweaty, but we get the tire changed. You're not having so much of a fun time now, but you get back on. All right, well we've got that behind us. Let's go to Charleston. About a half hour further up the road, I say, you know, this thing gets like four miles a gallon and we've got to get gas. So it costs $300 to fill this up. So everybody pony up. I need 30, 40 bucks out of everybody. Wait, what? I didn't sign up for this. I don't want this. This is not what you said we were going to do. Uh, so grumbling, complaining, and by the time we get to Charleston, you're really wishing you hadn't gone on this trip at all. <laughs> Let's change the story up a little bit. Let's just imagine that every college student in this church, all of them attended the College of Charleston. See, that, that's, a, that's a benign college. I can say that college. I couldn't say USC, and I couldn't say Clemson, but we are playing y'all in football this year, so... Uh, but So we'll just say the cop. but imagine every student from this church was at the college of Charleston and we get word right now, there's been a huge fire in the dorm and our kids need us. And I say, come on out with me. I've got a motor home and I can fit about 20 or 30 people in there and let's just get in and go. And we get up on the other side of, uh, of, of Beaufort and we get up on that stretch that I just talked about and we get a flat tire. We gotta change the tire. We jump out, we get greasy, sweaty, dirty, we change the tire. But there's not grumbling and complaining this time. And all you're thinking is, our kids are up there, they need our help. Let's go. Let's hurry up and get to Charleston. We've already lost some time with this tire, but we got it changed. Let's go. We get a half, we get halfway up and say, you know, I didn't know we were doing this, this thing. We've got to get gas. All right, how much do we need? All right, everybody digs in. 30, 40 bucks. Let's go. Fill it up. Hurry up. Let's go. And let's get to Charleston. And we we get to Charleston and we help our kids out. What's the difference in those two trips? Do you see a difference in the two trips? The difference is mission. The difference is we had a purpose. The difference is the first time we were going just for fun and we 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 had no skin in the game. The second time... These are our kids. They need our help. I'll do whatever it takes to get us there as soon as possible. Let me tell you another story. And this was in the Bible. Look at Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts contains so many stories. Paramount in it, though, is the history of the early church. The church started in the book of Acts. The church grew in the Book of Acts. It got established in the Book of Acts, and it spread its influence. It went from local to regional to uh, much more on a on a worldwide basis that we probably even more than we know about today. But I want you to watch and just travel along with me here as we go through this pretty quickly. Watch the growth and changes in the early church that God raised up in Jerusalem. Now keep your mind on our trip to Charleston and keep in mind the mission of why we were going that second time for our kids. People needed our help. They were in danger. Keep that in mind. Acts chapter one, verses 14 and 15. Hold on, I got a, I'm a grandfather now and uh, I can't... I can't see anything. Verse 14, chapter 1. They all join together constantly in prayer along with the women. And I love this. Have you ever seen this before? And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What happened to Mary, the mother of Jesus, after the cross? The church is meeting in her house in Jerusalem. And his brothers. I just think that's cool. Verse 15, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. Stop right there. The church in Acts chapter one, meeting among other places in Mary's home, 120 people plus a few disciples, 12 leaders, 120 followers. In a city of tens of thousands, outside of the city, hundreds of thousands of people. And yet right now in Acts chapter one, the church of Jesus is not much more than a holy huddle. 120 people. That's not that many people, but there they are. And it reminds us of something. There's a warning for us here. We can become so obsessed with who we have, the 120 that we ignore the tens of thousands around us. Hilton Head Island Community Church, you can be so concerned with who you have now that you're not really that concerned with who is around us. Same way at Lowcountry, same way in any church. But they, that warning was not part and parcel of who they were. You see, they didn't ignore those around them. And uh, they gave themselves to prayer. They gave themselves to the proclamation of the gospel. They focused on God's power. They preached a very clear message. And because they focused on those things, Acts 2, chapter 41, and the following verses happened. Look in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 41. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Pastors often are accused of worrying too much about numbers. But Luke writes down some numbers here. They went from 120 to 3,000. How long did it take? Say it one day. Now, Todd's head would explode (laughs) if you went from 400 to 3,000 in one day. The elders would be pulling their hair out. You would be, where, where, you know, I, there, used to, there used to be room in here. We've got to knock walls down. We've got to find, there would be all kinds of problems going on. But 3,000 one day, and then as they continued doing what God called them to do, God was adding to their numbers every day. Here's why I care about numbers in a church every number represents what? A soul. Every number represents a soul. Every number represents a person, and every person matters to God. They didn't ignore those around them. They kept on going. They grew from 120 to 3,000, and then what God was adding every day to that 3,000 number. Now let's look ahead just a little bit more. Go to Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. That's because some persecution had started to hit them. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered, also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. What's happening? The power of God is moving among people. Crowds of people are coming and being drawn. And they're they're being drawn not so much to the church, they're being drawn to Jesus because the church is teaching and proclaiming Jesus Christ and his gospel. And they're coming in unprecedented numbers. Those who study the history of the church believe that now the church was at least at 5,000 people. Now they faced a problem. Widows among them were not being cared for properly, and the leaders came up with a solution. And then they handed over responsibility to faithful faithful people to take care of the widows. But they, as leadership, kept preaching and teaching God's word. As they did, the word of God spread, and the number of disciples increased rapidly. And I mean spread and increased rapidly. You look at chapter 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. They're they're reaching irreligious people and then they're reaching the hardest people to reach at all, religious people. Religious people are hard to reach. These guys were, 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 were honest worshipers of God but they had not understood the gospel. And as they began to understand the gospel, Jewish priests, rabbis, they began to turn to Christ in great numbers themselves. But not until the leaders of the church had taken care of the widows. Here's what that tells us. Even in the periods of great growth, the church never forgot about the individual. Even though there were masses of people showing up, they cared for the individual, the individual is always important. What's made the difference? We've gone from 120 people in chapter one to now in chapter six. And will you believe this? That missiologists and church historians tell us by chapter six, they believe there were between 50 and 100,000 followers of Christ in and around Jerusalem in five chapters. Unbelievable. Absolutely incredible. What made the difference? The difference was their commitment to a God-sized vision. They stayed committed to a God-sized vision. Here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, you're, you're in maximum impact. And here comes Todd, and here come the leadership again with more vision with a desire to reach more people. And if you're like most normal people, you're sitting back, you're going, good grief. Are these people ever going to just let us relax and just enjoy church? And I'll tell you, I hope the answer is going to be no. Church doesn't exist for you and I to sit back and relax. That's not why we're here. If that's why you're here, change your attitude. Get a hold of what God's doing in the book of Acts because God wants to do then what what he was doing then. He wants to do it now. Do you know that we live, and those of you from Georgia State, you've come to a county called Beaufort County. The Southern Baptists have done a spiritual demographic survey. And our Southern Baptist friends tell us that this county is 90 to 92% unchurched. Let that sink in for just a moment. Nine out of every ten people who live here don't go to church. The worst places in America, the worst numbers that are similar to that are in, the, in New England. you got to go to Vermont to find numbers like that. And we're sort of the buckle of the Bible belt. Nine out of ten people. One of the reasons this church started was we called every church on the island one, one month. We called every church on this island. We said, how many people are attending church on Sunday? We're doing a survey, and when we get the results, we'll be happy to share the results with you. You know what they wanted to do? They wanted to tell us how many members that they had. Said, no, no, I don't care about members because I've got a friend, a pastor friend. He says he's got members the FBI can't even find. (laughs) So I don't know. Members don't count. How many people are sitting in the seats? You know, we found out when we we did that survey, there were about 32,000 people who lived on this island. And we found out on the best of Sundays, the best of Sundays, 26,000 were not in church anywhere. That drove me to start this church. That's not acceptable. Is that acceptable to you? I really believe that breaks God's heart. And, you know, you think, well, it would get better as you get further into South Carolina. You cross the border, across 95, going to Jasper, actually, just going to Jasper County. You don't have to cross 95 to do that. 74% unchurched. So we have a vision at Lowcountry to start another campus in Ridgeland. And trust me, Ridgeland's way different than Hilton Head. Way different. Way different. Way different. But you see what's happening in this church, in the book of Acts? A God-sized vision. And tens of thousands of people are coming to Christ. And as a result, persecution breaks out. People don't like it. When I told some of my pastor friends that what we found in our survey here, that about 26,000 people were not attending church, one of the guys called me a liar. I don't have coffee with him anymore. <laughs> so that can't be right. He says, Well, you're including people that are in assisted living homes and they can't get out. They don't count? Of course they count. Stephen's the first martyr. And the church scatters. But that got them to what we find. And this is amazing in Acts chapter 8. And in verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. See, they they were being scattered, fleeing persecution. They're going now all over the region, all over the Middle East. And the gospel began to travel down that Silk Road back to China and across what is now the heart of Islamic nations. But off they went. And everywhere they went, as they were scattered they preached the gospel. They never got away from the vision. And that led to what we see five years later. And here's the end of this story. Five years later, we find in Acts chapter 10, for the first time, the gospel is now being proclaimed to the Gentiles. And the whole world begins to change. Before it had been confined to the Jewish people, and then there's Cornelius, and then there's Peter, and there's the vision to come and help us. And don't consider, God says, what I've considered clean that you considered unclean. Don't do that, because I'm telling you to take this gospel now to the whole nation, to the whole na- all the nations of the world, to everybody. Let me tell you a third story. And keep in mind mission and vision. And this story is your story. And it's my story, and it's Low Country Community Church's story. In 1994, five couples from Hilton Head Island got together. They were attending different churches, but they got together to have a Bible study together that Henry Blackaby wrote, which many of you have been through, called Experiencing God. And as a result of going through this Bible study called Experiencing God, meeting together every week for about 11 weeks, They sensed that God was calling them to begin a new church on Hilton Head Island. A church that was going to reach out to the unreached. A church that was going to bring contemporary music to contemporary ears and contemporary hearts. A church that was going to be different from the other churches on this island. There were at that time 22 churches on the island. To do church different, to do church in a way that wasn't being done... In other local churches. And I, I've I've talked with them and listened to the story firsthand, and it's a wonderful story. And they said it was very clear to us that God was calling us to start a new church. And being men and women of faith, they answered, God. And they said, No, absolutely not. There's enough churches already. We like the churches we're in. We must not have heard from God. It must have been the bad tacos that we had before one of the Bible studies. But they obeyed. And the church at Hilton Head began in August of 1994. And it began to grow. And they began meeting every week in a, as a church, 40 people in a living room of a rented home in Moss Creek. And when they were established firmly as 40 to 50 people. They called a pastor. Tom Mosley and his wife, Nona, came from Houston, Texas. Todd had been a worship pastor and they called him as their pastor. What he was thinking at the time, I do not know. What pastor would go to a group of 50 people and move halfway across the country for that? I'm so glad he did. Actually, that's kind of what Todd did, so that might explain a lot. But they grew some more, and they moved out of the the, the rented home in the living room in Moss Creek, and they rented the library at Hilton Head Middle School, which back then, Hilton Head Middle School was called McCracken Middle School. McCracken's now in Bluffton. Now it's Hilton Head Middle. That's where they met. Outgrew the library and moved into the auditorium. In 98, Tom decided, you know, I'm, I'm really a worship guy. And so he we went back to Texas and the church floundered for a while. And then out of desperation, they invited me to be their pastor. And my family and I, we came here in 1999. And I remember those days very well. And there are those of you in here today, you remember those days too, because you were part of the church at Hilton Head then. And you will remember the one summer where we didn't have air conditioning for six weeks in that auditorium. And so we made towers of, of fans on the stage to blow on the people. And we began to grow a little bit at a time. And we were always looking for land on the island. I don't know if you've looked for land on the island recently, but it's not any better than it was then. And we looked to, we looked to uh, buy the Northridge Cinemas. That was for sale for a time, where Home Goods is now. Uh, right there at Matthews in 278. That used to be a Win dixie and that, when that went out, we looked at buying that, and they wanted a million eight for that, and we had $36,000. <laughs> and we looked down Gumtree Road at some nursery land, and we looked at uh, um, all over the place, off of Legamutton, of and we, we were all over the place. We couldn't find anything. And God led us to some land out in Bluffton. Now, you have to understand something. If you're newer to the area in the last few years, it used to be people on Hilton Head didn't want anything to do with Bluffton, and people in Bluffton didn't want anything to do with Hilton Head. And so it was a big deal for us to move out there. But we moved out there in 2002. We got 17 acres of land, and we, it was paid for debt-free. And then we, we changed our name to Lowcountry Community Church, and we moved to McCracken Middle School and began meeting there in their cafetorium or gymnateria or whatever you want to call the thing. They, the kids ate lunch in there and it had a stage. We met there for a few years and we grew up to about 600 people there. And in 2006, we moved into a new facility. And the day we moved in, that was debt-free. And God has just been so good to us. But the year before we moved in in a cabin in Crusoe, North Carolina, I was praying and I was saying, okay, God, what's next? What's next? What's next? And the, the church that you're a part of today was given to me in like a, as, a, as the next step in a cabin in North Carolina in 2005. And the day we moved into our facility in 2006 out in Bluffton, I announced that day that we were going to start a new campus on Hilton Head. I remember it because a lady came to me afterwards and she said, we can't even enjoy this one Sunday. <laughs> I said, no, we didn't build it to enjoy it. And we started this as a video venue campus and it's grown. And I know Todd's told you this story and some others told you the story last week, but it's your story and our story is co-joined. We are together in this. And and God, I'm convinced, is not anywhere near finished with what he wants to do here with you. Nowhere near. And this building was a a pipe dream when I was sitting in that cabin. But I got to tell you, I believed it and I saw it. Actually, the first building was too. I mean, we didn't have anything when we started. That's the way that God does it. And we've learned some things along the way, and I need to wrap up because my, my time's running out. But I just want you to know that the story of Hilton Head Island Community Church is a story that, that God had birthed back in 1994 with people that just heard from God, and aren't you glad they obeyed? And as you sit here today, you're part of the fruit of a lot of prayer and a lot of planning and a lot of seeking God, and much dreaming, and much vision, and much money, and much work, and much ministry. And you are carrying on the vision of God for this place here on this island. And we're partnering with you doing the same thing in Bluffton. And we envision campuses that we hope that God will birth out of us in Ridgeland, and Rinkin, and Pooler, and Savannah. And we're partnering with a church called the Link in Beaufort, that God will raise that church up. And do some great things there. And we've learned some things along the way. We've learned that a vision without action is really just a daydream. That you've got to get in and you've got to put feet and money and effort to the vision God's given to us. And in every vision and in your maximum impact. And whatever it's going to be over the next 5, 7, 10 years. I mean this in the best way possible. When I heard you say, you know, the vision for 10 years, I just laughed. Because I've tried that too. And my vision at 10 years was always smaller than God's was. So just hold on, because it's probably bigger than what you're thinking right now, my friend, because God's a big God. But in every vision, there's an element of God's sovereignty, and in every vision, there's an element of our responsibility. A vision fueled by the Holy Spirit and passionately pursued by His people is a movement and an unstoppable force. Why not decrease significantly the future population of hell? Why not increase significantly the future population of heaven? And God's calling you to do it at this place, at this time, under this man. A God-sized vision requires contribution of the community. A God-sized vision can't be pulled off by just a few people. A few people alone can't do it. Everybody's got to get into the game. A God-sized vision is going to face opposition. You can believe that. You can believe it. We've had so many people leave our church over the last 15 years I've been the pastor. We, I should get church growth awards from other churches because we've helped them grow so much. I, I just tell you, make sure you've heard from God. God. And I I know that you believe you have, and I believe you have. But when God says to do it, you better jump on it and get on it. And I know as you've heard this maximum impact thing, and, you know, adding to the children's rooms, oh, my goodness. Listen, if you can't get behind this, and you can't give to increase space so that more people can hear the gospel, and more children can hear the gospel, Your heart's out of alignment with God's heart. People come to Christ in much greater numbers the younger they are. And children need to hear the gospel as much as any adult does. You think, well, children and youth, they're the future of the church. No, they're not. They're the church right now today. Yeah, I know what you mean by the future, but they're the church today. You need more room for these children. Make more room for them. You know what? God will start pouring children in here. You'll see Abby running around here and she'll be crying. I don't have room for all the kids. And she'll be pulling her hair out. This is a great problem to have. And I would just close with saying, own the vision. Own the vision. You can either be a renter or you can be an owner. There's a big difference. Owners contribute with time and gifts and ability. Owners invest. Renters consume. Renters feel entitled. Owners feel responsible. You're going to own the vision or you're just going to stay here and be a renter? I'll just leave you with this. Can a group of Christians be bold enough in our time to change not only our community but change our world as well? What can God bring about from one group of people birthed out of Low Country Community Church some years ago? What, what can he do with you? Could we be, could you be so privileged that God would allow you to be used for a purpose much greater than any of us ever imagined or realized? Can we participate in a movement of God so significant that it impacts eternity for people? There's nothing greater than that, folks. Nothing greater than that. A.W. Tozer said, Anything God has ever done in any time, He can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, He can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, He can do for us. Let's believe it and cry earnestly, Oh God, do it again. You have the opportunity to fulfill the words of a great song. I love these lyrics, and I'll close with this. Generations away, it is my prayer, they will look back and say, oh, to have that kind of faith and love, what solid men and women of God they were. I want us to be people that they could write about a thousand years from now, that they could read about your servants of choice in whom you found favor, your people who heard your voice. I've told you three stories today. I've told you the story of going to Charleston, the story of the early church, and the story of Low Country and Hilton Head Island Community Church. But there's a fourth story, and that's the story that you're writing right now. What are they going to say about you and this church a generation or two from now? Are they going to look back and say, look at their faith, look at their trust, look at their belief, look at how they stepped out and believed God for incredible things? Or are they going to look back and just say, you know, they just kind of went on autopilot and they cruised and they got comfortable. Here's what I believe. I don't believe they're going to say the latter. I believe they're going to look back on your life and the life of this church and the generations from now they're going to say what men and women of God they were. And their prayer will be, oh God, do it again. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Father, you've called us to something larger and greater than ourselves. Forgive us when we just allow our minds and our hearts to be too small. Lord, you have placed us in a really a target-rich environment for the gospel. So many, too many, who don't know Christ. And it's not a matter of whether they're in church or not. The main thing is, do they know Jesus or not? So I pray that you would use Hilton Head Island Community Church Pastor Todd, as he leads this work, that you would use Low Country Community Church, myself and all of those in leadership in both churches, to make a significant eternal impact on the place that you have planted us. Thank you for the faithfulness you have shown that as we look back almost 20 years, thank you for the faithfulness of the people who began what we know now for the faithfulness of you in taking us to this point. And that just gives us a lot of faith and trust and hope that as we continue to step out and move forward, you are going to continue to show yourself faithful, mighty, and strong. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you all.
0: Jeff, thank you very much. Why don't you guys give it up for Jeff? Thank you so much. We needed to hear that today, and I'm thankful that uh, that was the message that God laid on your heart today, Jeff. Thank you so much. Um, I'm excited to be fleshing out some of the things that Jeff talked about even uh, more next week, and uh, if, you're, if you've been a part of Hilton Head Allen Community Church for any time this past week, you received uh, something in the mail. And so I want to encourage you to take a look at that this week and come to Vision Night, where we're going to explain more in detail what maximum impact is all about. We're going to turn uh, this room into a, a really nice dessert and coffee uh, kind of room. And uh, I'll be able to share a little more in detail, and we'll have table leaders that'll share in detail some of the vision that we're talking about to reach our community for Christ along with uh, many of our partners. Um, One of the things that we've been able to do as a church is um, support several different missions organizations. And um, one of those is here today, and Jeff uh, mentioned them at the beginning. Um, We've got a group from Navigators here, and I'm just going to ask Clint and your team to stand up. You guys go ahead and just stand up real quick from Georgia State. Why don't you give them a round of applause this morning? Man, I'm so thankful that you guys are here. So thank you so much for being here. You guys can be seated. It's really cool. Clint said, we're going to, um, you know, we really want to do a spring break um, trip. And he called me. And so we're, we're their partner. Like, we support them on a regular basis financially with one of our missions partners. And uh, we want to go and serve them. They've been at Georgia State for less than a year now. Um, and he, the first thing that he wanted to do was to bring his team here to serve us. Isn't that incredible? So Clint, man, I'm so excited about what God is doing through you and Leanne and the whole team, and we're glad to have you guys. And Clint also called me last week and said, you know, it's an interesting thing. I've been a Christian for a while, but I've never been baptized. So guess what we're doing today after the service in 57-degree water, Clint and I are doing the quickest baptism ever. I'm going to baptize Clint in the Atlantic Ocean in the quickest <laughs> <laughs> baptism ever. So, uh, man, I'm proud of you, and I'm excited for what you're doing, man, in spreading the gospel um, to my hometown, Atlanta, man. And so we're all excited about what God's doing there. I want to encourage you um, to sign up for that vision night as you leave today. And Kenny's there in the back. There's a place to sign up. Uh, you can also do it uh, through email, and you received that uh, today when uh, in the mail. You received it last week in the mail and I want to encourage you to give on your way out. If you're part of the Hilton Head Island Community Church family, give on your way out today. Why don't you stand up? I want to thank you so much for being here. Jeff and Darlene, thank you so much for being here. May God bless you. May
1: his grace and peace be with you this week. See you next Sunday, everyone.